Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. And good evening and welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM and welcome to those listening via 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. It's just gone six o'clock and you're here with Gemma, Sue and Daniel. A reminder that 3CR is recorded here in Melbourne on stolen Aboriginal land and we pay respects to Aboriginal leaders and elders and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Now we normally kick uh, things off with a a pretty peppy news in brief section, uh, but tonight we'll skip that because tonight's program is focused on the only news issue that's really um, been broadcast in Australia in the last week. Um, Well, in the last few months, really, but in particular in the last week. It's the absolutely devastating bushfires that have ravaged um, every state and territory in Australia. I know I speak uh, for all three of us when I acknowledge that there's a real and palpable sense of loss um, in our country and, and in our community. The scale and the ferocity of the fires have been really shocking Um, and even for those who foresaw what was to come or read countless reports warning of the impacts of climate change, it's still really impactful. On that basis, I think um, tonight's episode should come with a content warning that we'll be discussing some really recent and upsetting events and given the breadth of the fire's path, there's almost certainly someone you know who's been personally impacted by the fires or perhaps you yourself have. So if you find this hard to listen to, please know that you can contact Lifeline on 131114. So when your house burns down and everything is lost, the last thing on your mind is probably thinking about what the legal implications there are. But as the smoke begins to clear and you begin accounting for what needs to happen, um, the legal issues suddenly become quite complex. Did you have any insurance in place? How can you access your banking details if all your records are gone? How can you find a safe place to live if you had an AVO in place for a residence that no longer exists? How can you prove your identity when suddenly there's nothing to show for it? Tonight we're going to discuss the fires but also look at it through a particular legal lens and consider the possible legal ramifications or issues which will arise now for people who may have been affected by the fires. We want to focus on law being rolled out at a local level. It's often been referred to as disaster law and it focuses on the urgent coordination of legal services to support people in need on the ground after an emergency or or natural disaster. We're very lucky to be joined by not one but two lawyers who have practised in this area. Sue Robertson, 
uh, who I have to also admit is one of our regular hosts on Done By Law. So <laughs> yes, it's me. Thank you for wearing that hat, Sue. <laughs> Two hats. <laughs> Um, and who's also a PhD candidate, um, and Jenny Smith, who's the current CEO of the Northern Legal Centre um, and previously worked as a lawyer at the Eastern Legal Centre um, and has also told me that she previously worked on at 3CR as a radio host herself. So thank you so much for coming back, Jenny. Relevantly, thank both you. Sue and Jenny worked as disaster relief lawyers in the aftermath of the Black Saturday bushfires, which is now just a smudge over 10 years ago. So thanks very much for coming. It's great to have you both with us tonight. Uh, hello. I was coming anyway. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you for coming in. Um, so perhaps to get started, um, Jenny, could I start with you? Can you give us a bit of historical context for this area of law? How did this? Um, ha- are there principles that are drawn from uh, previous events like Cyclone Tracy? Um, if there are, I'm not aware of them. Um, I was thinking about this and. Um, I mean, I'm not a disaster response lawyer. Mm. That's probably a very, very specialist field um, and that's probably at a government level. Um, I think that we've learnt a lot in the last 10 years from the um, Black Saturday fires that we probably are probably quite different from um, those early disasters. Um, I think, for example, I... I know that um, there's much more understanding in the last 10 years about um, family violence and disasters and uh, how um, family violence rates increase after a disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. The, um, the um, individual and local impacts of something like this, not just for those who've lost their homes, but the sort of like the tentacles of this, mm. the way they reach out into a community, much a bit like the blanket of smoke that's mm. going, it's quite a um, a metaphor, and that just blanket the, of smoke. The, mm. Yeah, the, the sheer scale. So mm. your experience from the Black Saturday bushfires, um, do, you, do you remember, um, I mean, roughly how many people was it that, that, uh, that, that, the, that, was trying, that were trying to be assisted, I guess? Was there a, a number? I think... Um, I think I was probably there in uh, a week after. Mm. And um, so Eastern Community Legal Centre had uh, started a, um, a to have a lawyer attending at the recovery centre in Yarra Junction and I think a bit later in Hillsville. And in the first week, I don't think there was from memory anyone. Um, mm. And that's completely understandable I mean seeing a lawyer is not on your top list of um, surviving Mm. really Um, getting food getting power getting um, cover over your head those are the things but later on and I'd say probably around the third week Mm. I think was when we started seeing people um, who were coming in for a whole variety um, some some quasi-legal assistance to start filling in um, emergency relief forms that, um, you know, government funds. Mm. Um, things like, um, yeah, the Centrelink. So mm. all the requirements that they people who might have been on pensions were normally cut off from, as they were often cut off, and particularly 10 years ago, and particularly 
in the Yarra Ranges, which was um, quite different in its... Uh, there were a lot of people in the Yarra Ranges who, who were quite isolated, in mm. fact, um, and quite remote and, and off the grid. Mm. And so how did the legal organisations, I guess, come together at that time to to coordinate what the response would be? Um, I think uh, probably pretty organically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was the services that were uh, close uh, to where the, where the fires were occurring. So I know that the service that I'm in now, Northern Community Legal Centre, its predecessor, um, Broadmeadows Community Legal Centre and Whittlesea Community Legal Centres were assisting with the fires in that um, that touched that part of the region. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, community legal centres have always been responsive and um, have always quickly uh, jumped to and responded to a whole range of different. Um, crisis and events so it's quite a natural thing for community legal centres to be able to respond pretty quickly I think that um, and that's what happened I think that there were then a whole range of players um, including Victoria Legal Aid and the Law Institute of Victoria and then particular lawyers who had insurance backgrounds that were also coming in pretty quickly and um, we're in a pretty collaborative sector and um, I think that there were meetings that were occurring pretty quickly. Um, mm. Mm. To, to make that work. To make that work. And on the ground. And did you go out into those communities to provide that assistance? Yeah. So mm. as I said, they, um, mm. Eastern was part of, uh, initiated in itself its own first response effort and then was part of the network, um, which is now still in existence, which is the Disaster Relief Legal Help. I think I've got that right. We can check that. Um, mm. And that then there was a centralised, um, you know, volunteering system. Calls were going out um, as they are currently. And, mm. um, and that's, that's what I answered. And it was very, it's very, it strikes me that the place that we went to was a community hall and it wasn't just lawyers that were there. There was like, you know, if you imagine a community hall, there were tables set up around the edges of the hall and each at each of those tables was some kind of service. So we, mm. were, we were lawyers at one table, but there was, you know, um, all of the other services that Jenny mentioned before there, so Centrelink and, and so on. And so that was all sort of like a one-stop shop kind of thing. And, and next door or across the road from memory, there was a big sort of like clothing and food yep. bank um, that people went to before. I, I have a memory of them going there before coming to see us. Yeah. Um, yeah, to sort of, I mean, as we know, people flee with literally all that they're wearing which often isn't very much because it's extreme heat so they're mm. um yeah and they're caught by surprise mm. so that's what i remember it was very holistic in the in the in the community and the approach was that holistic approach it certainly was because I, mm. I think some of the other um key professionals were counselors mm. so they were and i'm assuming they are now in in the disaster recovery centres, um, 
not only because there's you know high levels of mental health um, and wellness in the community, the exacerbation of that through crisis is mm. terrific, mm. and terrific in as in extensive. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I remember there being a lot of referrals that were going on, cross referrals. So the councillors were seeing people who were identifying that there were legal issues and we were seeing mm. people who we couldn't unpack their legal issues because they were so distressed, so they mm. were in need mm. of um, other support first. And I, I remember them, some of them having trouble actually speaking to us and, you know, that's a, a really well-known effect of shock where people just can't actually speak. They, they, they seem really quiet and, and kind of stunned yep. and it was really difficult and, and they don't seem emotional. They, they seemed kind of flat. It was mm. really, really interesting to observe the reactions mm. and there were different reactions from different people mm. depending on how they were affected, I think. Mm. How did you uh, feel that you were received by the community when you attended um, lawyers, particularly in an insurance uh, and estates type context and also family law context can sometimes not have the best reputation amongst community who may not be um, familiar with their interactions with lawyers. How did you feel the community received your attendance and assistance initially when you would go to the town hall or the community hall like you said you did in response? Um, I mean, I think they were pleased. There's a level, some level of understanding in the community of legal aid. We all come under the umbrella of legal aid. Um, so I think there was an understanding of that we were there to help. I think from my memory what was um, uh, quite touching was the private lawyers who were part of that mm. roster and some of the big law firms were, of course, volunteering and had, had lawyers with very um, specialist skills, some who didn't have those kind of the range of um, the generalist knowledge that community lawyers have, but they did have very specific skills that were um, possibly in time, like those civil issues and issues in relation to um, insurance, mm. the, the, um, the issues in relation to small business that mm. were particularly in the areas in um, Yarra, in the, in the Yarra Ranges where there are a lot of small businesses, including wineries and the mm. like. Um, mm. So, and the the response from those lawyers of being incredibly, um, I guess, touched. I mean, it was really um, something that that um, they felt really good about. Mm. Um, Galvanised kind of mm. action, I guess, across across the whole yep. the whole legal community. Yeah. Um, can you can you talk us through a couple of examples, if you remember, of particular um, yeah, examples or circumstances that you came across that are really etched, I guess, in your mind uh, from that time? I can certainly. I remember a couple. The first one I remember is a really lovely older couple who came in and um, they'd just been to that clothing bank and the man, they, they needed pretty much everything they were they came to us for identity documents to start with assistance with helping get getting that happen and what really struck me was one of the things that was so um, very personal and important to the man excuse me was his uh, he was a craftsman and his whole 
working life was out of a studio um, beside his house, their house, that was completely razed. And absolutely nothing was left of his entire life's work from the fires. Not a skerrick, nothing. He'd lost all of his special tools, um, all of the evidence of his craftswork before. And most importantly to him was that he'd lost his guild certificate. That's a certificate they used to get in the olden days before apprenticeships and all those kinds of... Actually, it was part of apprenticeship system, I think. But guilds, the point is that that was the one thing we couldn't help him replace. Mm. Well, not the one thing, but the one thing that was so centrally important to him that we could do nothing about because guilds no longer exist mm. and that particular craft guild had disappeared and there were no records, you know, didn't have electronic database or anything like that. And that was, he was, it just struck me that that the, the one piece of identity that he really felt super attached to was that guild certificate. And it was so poignant, mm. really, you know, yeah. Really mm. struck. Mm. Jenny, did you um, I think... Uh, um, what struck me was the um, demand for family law advice, mm. which really, really surprised me um, because yeah. I thought that would be something that would come later on. And now, kind of with, I guess, more understanding and um, understanding of, first of all, that in areas where there's pockets of poverty and there were pockets of poverty, extreme poverty, um, people who are separated will often live under the one roof. And so when there's, when that roof is taken away, all the agreements that are in place, all the things that have kept, um, I guess, the conflict um, at abeyance collapse. So um, things, I remember a particular case where there was some emergency payments being paid out by, um, I think it was an insurance company, um, and uh, the claim had been made by the person whose name was on the insurance documents, but mm. that actually wasn't. That was no longer the person who was actually paying the insurance mm. policy. So there were those kind of um, issues. Um, arrangements in relation to children mm. uh, where... Uh, things had been going okay and then with um, when people suffer basically post-traumatic stress disorder which is what is a natural response to these extreme um, circumstances um, all of their certainty all of their anxiety um, rises and the idea of um, not having that control again of their children is incredibly stressful mm. for them. So I remember that being a really common issue. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I guess, um, I mean, another aspect, just, just as I've been thinking, listening to you both, um, you know, we've been discussing obviously the immediate emotional um, safety and needs of most people, and that would be obviously the most critical thing to triage. Um, but particularly in rural areas, we're talking about people, as Sue, you were saying, losing their entire livelihoods. And in many ways, that area of law is usually a contract or commercial mm. kind of aspect. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of 
we just think about the amount of stock that has been killed, yeah. um, the, the fences that have mm, gone down. Exactly and right. so there is, even if you do have stock, they're now wandering the streets. Mm. Just the scale and complexity of trying to deal with a commercial matter to, to resolve that either with an insurer or with a neighbour, mm. it must be mammoth. It yeah. is. And, and I think, it, go on. I mean, there's mm. the, that then pretty shortly after there were sort of property and um, boundary disputes. Mm. I mean, once fences have gone down and trees that have been there for, you know, 200 years yeah. and it's very clear that's that was the boundary, you've got a burnt landscape and it's all black yeah. and yeah. trying to work out those boundaries in mm. places where people have lost everything becomes a real issue and I think from memory that was something that was identified fairly early on and I can't remember what authority but there were um, efforts pretty quickly to have surveyors come in and resurvey to get those boundaries cleared fairly quickly. Back on track. So tricky. Yeah. The look, other, sorry. Sorry Sue but there's a lot of issues we, um, we've already just canvassed and um, on Done By Law tonight with Gemma, Daniel, Sue and Jenny Smith as our guest. Uh, we're just going to go to a short break and we'll get back and perhaps delve into a bit more detail about the specific kinds of issues people in Australia are going to have to deal with from a legal perspective after the fires. 3CR is about community and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. And welcome back to Done By Law. Uh, we're joined tonight uh, by Sue Robertson and Jenny Smith. Uh, we're discussing the bushfires. Uh, we've just heard from their, I suppose, direct experience as legal practitioners uh, who assisted in the wake of the Black Saturday fires. But of course, uh, we're now facing, um, I guess, that reoccurring on a much broader scale yeah it's um, bigger it's much bigger mm. um and it's going and it's ongoing so the, mm. the needs are, are, are similar but obviously complex jenny i think you've got some some news in that regard about uh what's happening from disaster law victoria sure so the disaster legal help uh telephone line is open and um that number is one eight double zero double one three four three two that's one eight double zero double one three four three two. I also understand that Victoria Legal Aid have a lawyer at the recovery centre in Bensdale, who was there today and will be there tomorrow from nine to four. That's fantastic. And, and that, that phone number will give information about where people can go or who they can contact for any kind of legal. Any kind of legal help? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the first the first mm. step that people can take, and and certainly then, um, it's it seems like today um, I think that's been formalised in a media release. I think I saw from both LIV and uh, the Federation and VL, uh, Victoria Legal Aid. Sorry, I'll stop using <laughs> the acronyms, <laughs> the lingo. Um, just this afternoon, um, so um, you heard it here. 
first-ish. Um, <laughs> um, it's great to have those organisations working together to provide as a coordinated response as possible to Victorians, it should be said. Um, do we know if there's any similar response that's been contemplated in other states given the scale? Or, I mean, obviously everybody's just been heads down trying to work out their own mm. state, I presume. I don't know, but I kind of... I kind of I assume that it's at least in the very organic sense, the way it was for us last time, that things like that are happening. I mean, it's pretty, the community legal centre sector is Australia-wide and the legal aid sector is Australia-wide and, and I would be very surprised if there weren't similar um, coordinated assistance um, in other places yeah. as well as Victoria. I'm very surprised if it wasn't there. Yeah. I, I um, do know for a fact that there is a coordinated response similarly happening with the community legal sector in Western Australia. Um, and in fact, I believe um, inmates in prisons in Western Australia have actually been calling for donations for materials that they can knit into pouches for wildlife. Yeah, how so, wonderful. I mean, this is shows yeah. you how vast the response is. Not mm. only is it um, mm. people connected to the justice system as lawyers that are doing their best to help, it's people that have been impacted in the harshest of ways by mm. the justice mm. system. That yeah, are doing there's kindness in everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add, I think, to what um, Jenny was saying earlier is that I, I also saw a post from the Law Institute of Victoria uh, which officially put out a call to members uh, for volunteers to assist with pro bono legal assistance, um, which may include community meetings. Um, so for any uh, lawyers out there, I think it's for lawyers, but I, if, you, if you are interested, um, you could also contact the LIV to see what capacity you may be able to assist with. Um, they're certainly seeking for that, for that contribution, in particular for people with experience in trust accounting for people with professional support for loss of files or professional support in costs, ethics, regulatory compliance and advice in relation to management of professional risks. So mm. any lawyers with those kinds of skills, the LIV would love to hear from you. Yeah. Sometimes it's as simple as just filling out a form, knowing what form it is and filling it out. Yeah. Helping with the, yeah, seems really basic to us, but it's actually so integral to yeah. reclaiming your identity in a situation like this. Yeah. You speak of reclaiming your identity, Sue, um, and I take it something yourself and Jenny have both had experience in assisting people with, that simple mm. process of finding your ID documents, which you need for basically everything else. And yeah. we've talked about this issue in other contexts other on context, the show. Yeah. Um, how does someone who's lost it in a disaster go about beginning that process, which might be crucial? It's all interconnected. <laughs> So, you know, it's all about births, deaths and marriages and, you know, I mean, all of the agents you, you can possibly think of, you know, your driver's licence, um, births, deaths and marriages, all of those formal identity documents that you just take for granted and rely on all have to be applied applied mm. for. I, in, I, I, yeah. um, I don't doubt that in the next uh, couple of weeks that those um, government agencies will have will start organizing to be at the recovery centers i mean mm. that's there's a precedent for that and mm. to be able to do those things on the spot mm. um and uh also f from past i don't know if it, there were the insurance the big insurance companies mm. were there to 
be able to start quickly doing some interim claims. So to I'm, provide assistance, yeah. yeah. That's right. I I'm, assume and I hope that that would happen. Yeah, mm. and I think it's important to know that obviously we can't unfortunately provide legal advice over the, over the radio, but um, <laughs> it is important for people to seek legal advice because there are... Uh, there are there are options often that are not as obvious when you are feeling first of all traumatized but also insurance can be really tricky but there mm. are p- particular principles that insurers also have to abide by and there are hardship principles financial hardship uh, and disaster hardship um, principles that are often included in policies um, so that will all I think become clearer in the light the coming weeks but certainly get advice if you haven't got any already. Um, Should I we think just repeat that number again? Yes, when, let's do it. one 432 is the number that anybody can call for Disaster Legal Help, help. Victoria. That's right. Mm. We'll post that on the Done by Law Facebook yep. page too so you'll be able to click a link and share that around. Fantastic. Um, if you just go Facebook and search for Done by Law or follow the 3cr.org.au online link to our page but i think um one one more thing we should be weary of if everyone wants to help um any way they can and donate where they can money to causes but Mm. one of the things is you've got to be careful for people who are doing the wrong thing taking advantage Mm. of these disasters for scams Um, and if you have identified a potential scam online where people are Mm. advertising that they want to claim donations but they're not doing the right thing then you can actually um, go to Scamwatch, which is uh, set up by the ACCC. And uh, as far as I'm aware, 47 scams have been identified in relation to bushfires since September last year. Oh, wow. that's terrible. Which yeah. is, um, so do what you can to help and make sure you uh, check where everything's yeah. going. Let's look after each other and our neighbours. And yeah. um, thank you so much, um, Jenny and Sue, for coming in tonight. But in particular, Jenny, thanks so much for your mm. work ongoing in this space. And in particular, I think over the next few months in what's going to be a really challenging time to provide legal assistance. And obviously, um, we provide all of our support and, um, you know, love to um, the rest of the community who've been impacted by the fires. You can't throw too much love out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right, that's been done by law, 37th of January in 2020. We'll see you next Tuesday.